0: Welcome to our Extraordinary Stories. This is our podcast brought to you by the League of Extraordinary Women. The League was started by four fabulous female entrepreneurs in Melbourne, Australia in 2011, and we are now on the fast track for worldwide domination. So, hashtag watch this space. The purpose of our podcast is to bring you some insights into some of the world's leading female entrepreneurs, their journeys, the highs, the lows, and the key takeaways from their business adventures. We like to keep it real and raw, and our editing is always kept to a minimum. These are real stories from extraordinary women, so welcome to our extraordinary stories. As always, we love to kickstart our podcast with an inspirational quote, and today's quote is, an entrepreneur isn't someone who owns a business, it's someone who makes things happen, and that is something that has been said by Tim Ferriss, who is the author of The 4-Hour Workweek. Week. Thanks, Tim. So today we have Karen Wicks, who founded Network Video Group, with us and we welcome her. Bucking the established notion of the traditional business leader background, Karen Wicks left school at just 13, initially pumping gas at a petrol station for two years before quickly finding work in Melbourne's thriving fashion industry. It only took a few short years for Karen to then advance from an entry-level position to reach management. But when Karen became pregnant with her first son, the fashion retailer she was working for abruptly fired her, solely because she was pregnant. Karen subsequently sued for unfair dismissal, winning an out-of-court settlement and becoming the test case for recently enacted unfair dismissal laws. Soon her passions took her into the movie rental industry, starting a wholesale business selling movies from the boot of her car. As that wholesale business thrived, Karen soon took over her own rental store dubbed Little Monster Video after her first son, Paul. Karen's innovative retail and marketing strategies were a key factor in the success of Little Monster, and the store's turnover increased nearly 900% over the first two years. In 1993, the Network Group launched with Network Video, a group founded with the ethos of independence. Over two decades down the track, Network is firmly established as a leading player in the rental industry, while still holding to the same principles and philosophies that put it on the path to success. Thanks so much for coming along, Karen. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So tell us, I mean, your background is very, very interesting. Um, When you left school at 13, did you ever think that this would be the path you would follow, this grand life of entrepreneurship? I
1: had no idea. In fact, um, when I left school at 13, I left because I was absolutely atrocious at it. Had no grander plan than to earn money and never have to go to school again. Um,
0: so 13, that's grade 8, isn't it? Grade uh, eight? Something like that. Grade I think nine. in my
1: years, love it was Form 2.
0: Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> one form 1 or Form 2, day. back in the day, yeah. Before they changed all the grades.
0: What did your parents think of that? Did you have. Uh, I
1: was from a, a disjointed family mm-hmm. and all sorts of things, so um, they didn't really have a choice. Okay. And, you know, they just left. Back in the day, nobody cared. And know. did you
0: have a plan? Did you have <laughs> I had no plans a job whatsoever. To to?
1: Uh, Yeah, because I've been working part-time in a service station. So I um, got a full-time job pumping petrol mm-hmm. and selling wax, would you believe, because in those days there were car washes set up. And oh. the big thing was that everybody used to get hot wax for their cars. So I became the world's best hot wax sales girl. And in those days, hot wax had a very different um, connotation than Brazilian. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, you I did, did that. There's so many
0: other things these days. That's
1: exactly right. So, yeah, um, did that and uh, went and hired a flat, rented a flat. You left home at 13 as well? Left home at 13. Wow. Left school at 13, got a flat, moved out of home with a teaspoon, a cup, and a mattress. Mm-hmm. Um, very dark. Kind of Jeez. flat, but I loved it. It was fantastic. It was great. Were you living by yourself? Yeah, well, it was yeah, yeah. It was a one-bedroom flat in Richmond city area at the time, but it was great, it was fantastic. So yeah, and started decorating the flat as you do with you know bricks and planks of wood stolen from building sites to make bookshelves and all sorts of weird things. <laughs> <laughs> and I. Was,
0: at least you were creative and resourceful. I was very creative.
1: Yeah, way before it became trendy. Yeah, you have like, to
0: be very creative and resourceful <laughs> with limited resources. The definition right. of leverage. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> So it was good, and then at 15, I decided that uh, I'd had enough of smelling like petrol, you know, 24-7. did that for two years? Did that for two years, and went into the city and applied for a job as a sales girl Mm. in uh, what was then the trendiest boutique in Melbourne, the in-shop, and worked in there. Uh, got the job, bluffed my way into the job. Don't know how, but I did. And uh, it was back in the days when all women had pinstripe suits, right? So that was the big sales item. Was Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were judged on how many pinstripe suits we could sell. Um, so within a year, I was managing the in-shop because I just kept telling everybody what to do anyway, so they figured oh, they'd better enough. promote me and make me a manager. Um, make for sure. Yeah, lest, lest everyone kept leaving, so. <laughs> <laughs> always thinking I knew better than everyone else, I suppose. So I did uh, worked in rag trade, for, so from the in-shop, I went to a boutique called Garfunkel and Looney Ponds, and they had one shop and I started with them, and then uh, I opened another and then another, and I became the, I suppose, group manager. By the time I was kind of eighteen, um, and yeah, I had to lie to them to get the job managing the boutique. And I about actually, your age? About my age, yeah. And I actually ended up having uh, three different eighteenth birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> one of them, one of them was real. One of them was real. A couple of others weren't, and that continued. And I had a couple of twenty firsts as well. Very embarrassing, but um, managed to bluff my way through that. So I uh, stayed in rag trade until I was uh, 22, and and then I got a job as state uh, manager for a retail outlet that sold sheepskin called Skinny's Hideout. You know, so everyone was wearing moccasins and you know, getting sheepskin underlays and sheepskin coats, and they were a a New Zealand business that came and launched in Australia. When I started, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a limited supply. Exactly right, and they were very good at it. So yeah. when when I started, they had one shop in Victoria. Um, Eighteen months later, we had thirty three in Victoria.
0: Wow! And
1: we had all the, I had all the record record breaking stores in Australia. Um, and I'd opened all the shops. I'd organised all the shop fitting. I'd employed all the staff and trained all the staff. Um, moved stock around all the time. The stores just kicked us. I can swear here, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we, the we stores embrace. kicked us.
1: Okay. Thing, um, a
0: swear
1: word. To be rewarded at 24 when I announced I was pregnant, they sacked me. Oh, dear. Yeah, and that was um, back in the day when there was no such thing as equal opportunities or, you know, horror at how women were treated. So mine was actually the first case. Uh, it had just, the Equal Opportunity Board had just opened up. So I went to see them and I was going to be the first case of, um, you know, a company being prosecuted for...
0: So how long had you been interior, with them? So you've been there with them two and a half years. in years, yeah. and, you'd done and I had commendations
1: work. from the yeah. managing director, and and was you know, it a case
0: of you you start to show, or did you say to them, listen, no, in case of full disclosure, I'm pregnant, I'm, I'm going to have a baby, yeah. and well, you want
1: to tell everyone when you're pregnant, yeah, you know, so exciting moment, and then they decided that it was in my best interests to find me. You see, my best interest because you know Karen, I had to carry heavy coats and things like that, and drive around a lot, so. Um, yeah, went to the Equal Opportunity Board, it was going to be the first case, but they settled out of court and I got, I think, the equivalent of like a month's wage. And yeah. Imagine if that happened now. You'd be able to buy a house or the settlement you got. But um, So then I um, moved in, well, I was pregnant, had to work, you know, I couldn't just sit around, didn't have the luxury of having saved enough to <laughs> sit around because, you know, they've been one of my strong suits. Uh, so I got a job working part-time in this business that had just started everywhere video shops. So I used to work behind the counter back when X-rated movies were legal. Was this uh,
0: back in the day, the VHS? Yeah. The tape? And
1: beta. No, oh no, no. God. Before that, it was beta and VHS. Oh, my
0: gosh. And
1: X-rateds were legal. So I was getting very pregnant. And, cause, and you wouldn't believe the people who hired the most X-rated movies were actually women. Wow. And they come I'm in during surprised. the day. Yeah, I know. See, so, and they think Fifty well, Shades, so catch Shades away. of is a new thing, right? It's always we uh, so always come in during the, case. the day. They come in during the day Ooh. and they say, "Well, you clearly know a good porno movie <laughs> because I was very pregnant. Can you recommend a good?" <laughs> oh, right, one well, with a story. Sure, love no problem. Yeah, um, we want a plot. Yeah, not so much. Anyway, so um, I did that until I gave birth to my son, and then back in the day they didn't have childcare centres or anything like that, so. Um, I had to, and I was breastfeeding, so I was literally driving home. Well, I, so did you I go had to be around. No, my husband and I had been separated. Yeah. Um, so uh, I was breastfeeding every three hours. So I found uh, a local woman who was a, a grandmother and used to mind her own grandchildren, and she looked after my son Paul. So I used to go out and. and so I went back to work in the video shop. Then decided one day. There's got to be a market selling these movies. The movies back then were $100, $120. Jeez. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so I thought there's got to be market selling secondhand movies. So I knew the people I worked for really well. So I said, look, I'll just take some of these movies that aren't renting anymore and see if I can sell them. So I threw them in the back of a car, drove to another video shop, sold them those movies, bought some more off them, and I started this wholesale business just out of the back of the car. Well, all the time driving. On behalf
0: of your current employer? No,
1: no. You no, did it yourself, just myself. Yeah, okay. yeah. As a small business, really didn't even consider it a business. It was like, well, here's a way to make some cash. I yeah,
0: here's a way to.
1: Chuck the movies in the back of a car Keep and a, run around and sell over them. over our head. Exactly. While mm-hmm. I'm running home every three hours to breastfeed this this child. Um. So I did. And that. how old
0: were you then? You were sort of twenty-five. I was
1: twenty-five. Yeah. Um. And then I built that into the second largest wholesale business in Australia, turning over many, many, many millions of dollars because I put other people on the road, and I eventually opened a warehouse. We were setting up. So when did the, the
0: network group come to fruition?
1: Much later. Yes. Okay. Um, so, so it was sorry. the
0: initial. It was a little monster, wasn't it? And you called well, that one. Uh,
1: well, movie search was my wholesale business.
0: Okay, and that was the first. That step? That was the
1: first step. Okay. Uh, from there, I um, met my new my new husband. So I started going out with him. Decided we'd get married. I felt pregnant again, and as I didn't have the luxury of staying home with my first child, I thought, well, I'll try this, and I'll. Scale back the business, so I did. I scaled back the wholesale business a lot till I was working from home a couple of days a week, just wholesaling. And so what did um, the
0: wholesale business at that point, at its biggest point, look like at that point?
1: Oh, it turned out many, of dollars. Huge warehouse.
0: So, from the boot of your 10 car,
1: star,
0: yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I
1: employed people to go out and sell it. For there was you? obviously a market for selling movies, yes. so I employed people who would go out and sell so movies. How long from. did you,
0: were you with Movie Search for, how long did you take to build it to, build to that
1: point? Six years? Yep. Yeah. But it was a massive growth industry at the time mm. of video libraries, So very quickly we were setting up libraries and was selling. Was it in the nineties? It was in the uh, late eighties. Yeah, late eighties. Okay. So we were selling ten thousand movie lots, fifteen thousand movie lots. So we'd be going and buying libraries that were closing down and we would be selling them. So uh, it was great. Had all learnt lots about the industry. In fact, it was the beginning of the industry, so I was kind of in on the ground floor. And then when I felt pregnant I thought I'm going to try being normal, which has never worked for me, really. Uh, So I scaled it right back and thought I'll stay home with my youngest, Chris. And that lasted nine months until I was... And my husband was a solicitor, solicitor, so I rang him up one day and I said, "Okay, I'm going back to work or the alternative will be you'll be burying your child and defending me for murder because I can't do this anymore. I'm brain dead. And we had two I mean, children, to work, two young right. children yeah, at
0: that yeah, point. Two,
1: uh, Paul was six at the time. So um, I went back to work and I bought a library that was run down, a video library that was run down and named it Little Monster Video after my children, <laughs> uh, in particular the eldest. They're now large monsters. Yes. <laughs> you know one of them, so I yeah, do. they're very large monsters. Um, and that was turning over $100,000 a year when I bought it. Uh, within 18 months, it was turning over $700,000 a year. Um, picked up the business really well, and then from that down the road from Little Monster Video was a Movie Land Video Store. My store was taking twice as much as the one down the road. Um, you know, little. What do you
0: put that down to?
1: Why are uh, we doing so much better? Because of my experience in retail, I think, and just being a a people person. You know, any retail is really about service. So it was just getting to know your customers and understanding what. Did you they still wanted. have a
0: movie search at that point as well? I was still have movie under search, the, Yeah, that yeah yep. So
1: that we were um, putting in plenty of stock and buying lots of stock, but because Movie Land down the road had a shingle, and was a franchise, mm. um, they were buying stock at half the price that I was. Being it's an independent, rude. it was mm,
0: incredibly rude. Yeah.
1: I was a little bit incensed. So. Oh. Um, and I spoke to all of the franchises at the time, because there were about 38 groups, franchise and otherwise around at the time, rental groups, because rental stores uh,
0: very popular were on every very street popular. corner. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I spoke to them all and realised that they couldn't really tell me anything that I didn't already know about the business or about retail. So I thought, well, I'm just going to start a group. And I remember distinctly sitting down with my husband in know bar in um, Smith Street Fitzroy and saying I think we're going to start a group and he said well why would you do that and I said well why not why not because it's just kind of the next natural progression and I'm pretty sure that I can buy as well as these guys and I know I can market better than the other guys so we started network I started network with 12 stores in October of 93 within a year we had 100 stores and I used a very different model I didn't want to be franchised I didn't want to lock people into contracts I, I really believe that People running their own businesses deserve to have choice and options, um, but still need advice and direction. So that's what Network was set up as, and that's hence the name. It was really a network of independent So yeah, did stores. they buy
0: into it to have their own? I guess what you say store they, or they already had
1: their stores. They already had their. Stores. They, already had their stores. they already had their stores. They were trading independently, well, yes. and then they. Paid us a monthly fee yes. to become part of the network, network group. group. And then use they our were branding, use our marketing. We negotiated all of their buying. We negotiated all of their um, insurances and phone plans and just about everything you could imagine. To, to
0: save them money. To save them money. Yeah. So, that so they would they, just keep doing what they were doing, basically, but just save They'd help. just increase the profit margin. That's exactly right. Because and you they had the had, power of the many.
1: Yep, yeah. and they also had us on tap as people who had been in the industry since day one. Um, they had us on tap to ask for any advice and you know to help them and guide them generically in business. Mm. Uh, so within a year we had so that's hundred That's really invaluable years. being in business
0: and having someone to actually guide you. I you think need that's,
1: people to it's talk to. an in-house
0: to. mentor, essentially. Yeah,
1: yeah. And mm. over the years that's certainly what we've been to our members. So we, I employed people with industry experience and then... So it,
0: that, that was about circa 93? Was yeah. This? yeah, we
1: started in 93. Yeah. Uh, by 96 we had 300 stores. Um, and when we started, in all 90s, in
0: Australia. All
1: in Australia. Okay. Uh, when we started in '93, there were 38 groups, 38 different rental groups. Now there like are. Like the Video Easy,
0: the Blockbuster. Video Easy, Blockbuster. Yep. There was
1: major video. There was Premier Home Entertainment. There were 38 groups. Now there are three.
0: Who are the um, others? Video Easy, are they video still Easy, around? And video Blockbuster? Easy,
1: and Blockbuster. Okay. They're just around. We're the largest. Mm-hmm. We're going to be the last man standing. Are you buying them out currently? No, I don't need to buy them out. But I can just. Get rid of them. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Why pay for something? Why (laughs) pay for something when you can just take it? Yeah, so that's kind of it is in in a nutshell. Mm-hmm.
0: So that's quite the journey.
1: Mm, it was, and it uh, was never a journey that was planned. It mm. horrified people to know that I've never had a business plan.
0: So do you think in movies? Do you think that was just a stroke of luck in that you just started working at this movie rental place and then just had an idea and ran with it? Do you think, yeah. it, or do you think? It, I think. Were you passionate about movies? If you had your time over again, would you see yourself choosing movies again? No,
1: or? no, no. I'd be in the music business if I actually choose what I wanted to be right beyond dancing with the stars <laughs> certainly um, no it kind of chose me I just, I just fell into it and I think any success has it has to have a degree of luck mm. um, as well as passion do and you drive. Think that
0: versus just working hard and making oh, your own opportunities? absolutely working hard
1: and making your own opportunities but you know, I really there are, believe in luck. I do believe in some luck because I don't think I certainly don't think I'm that much of a genius that I would have succeeded well, in Well, what do you attribute it to? Because
0: you, you went from, you left school at 13, you pumped pension for two years, you went into the rag trade, you were sacked for being pregnant, and then you were working part-time while pregnant and breastfeed, then breastfeeding as a part-time sales assistant at a movie store. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's to get to where you but are now. I was now. Lucky, lucky that
1: I fell into the industry, but I did, and I was lucky that... Um, Divine
0: timing? Yeah,
1: and and I was lucky that I moved into also I moved into a totally male dominated industry. I was the I'm the only woman in the world that's ever run ever had a rental group. Um, I would go to all these international conferences, and they would say, "Good, good morning, gentlemen and Karen," um, because I was the only woman ever at any of these functions. And, you know, in a way, I was lucky that my personality is such that I'm not phased by being around a room full of blokes, and I can't tell you the amount of times I've sat in. A meeting and men have looked at my breasts. Oh, really? Yes, exactly. It's happened a lot. Eyes up
0: here, fellas. Uh, up I used here. to
1: close my eyes and say, "Quick, what colour are my eyes?" <laughs> and they go, They did all the time. But the first conference I went to, I never forget the first conference I went to. Um, all the boys are up at the bar, and you know I was kind of the the new group, the the new new kid in town, and all the blokes are up there patting themselves on the back as they did in the day. Remember, it was the nineties. It was very chauvinistic. And walked up, and I said g'day fellas and I told the rudest joke I knew which was a corker Mm -hmm. and they all just looked at me with this horrified look and then eventually broke up laughing and then I was kind of welcomed as one of the fellas and that's um while I you know don't play golf every time someone asks me to play golf I say sure I'll do golf as long as the next time we bond we'll go shoe shopping (laughs) so far I haven't had any takers on that but
0: um, Why? Yeah, I don't
1: know, but you know the male, the industry was very male dominated and I think I was lucky in that I'm the kind of personality that fitted into that, mm. you know, I, I'm not a girly girl, I'm not, um, I'm also not that much of a tomboy, but um, I would let things that would insult business women these days just roll off my back, mm. and, you know, I never really took anything like that seriously. It is so you it never is. let and your
0: gender, or well, you never let your gender be a, a disadvantage? Absolutely not, in
1: fact I'd use it as an advantage, mm. If you know, I'm going to sit and look at my boobs for an hour and I get the best deal in the world and whatever, you know. And they were, you know, quite... They weren't young blokes either, you know what I mean? So the industry was, yeah, extremely male-dominated and I had a lot of fun just because of that, you know. They quite, never quite knew how to handle me. You know, I like, oh, here comes Karen, shh, you know. And I'd walk up and tell another dirty joke and then they'd all break up, you know. So I got very good at socialising with men without it being sexual or in any sexual mm. context it became you became know? one of the
0: boys I did
1: absolutely become one of the boys and but I could walk away from that really confident that I actually wasn't one of the boys but you know you do what you do to fit in and succeed and we did
0: so with your your ba- your background and where you are today so what would be probably the one thing that you'd attribute a- attribute your success to
1: adaptability and I'm um, very opportunistic mm-hmm. um, I made sure that the business was really nimble you know, I never. I didn't build this um, crazy hierarchical company. It's it's a fairly it's a fairly flat structure, um, and we make decisions quickly mm. as a business. Um, my staff are empowered. A a red tape. Yeah, no no red tape. People can walk straight into my office and say, here's an idea. that's great. Let's run with it. I made sure that we were really nimble um, and that we could take. Any opportunity and grab as it, it with both hands as it presented itself because businesses are fluid. How did you
0: become keep so nimble though as you grew larger and larger and larger?
1: I went through all of this self doubt and soul searching as the business grew and and I managed growth for you know fifteen years, insane growth all the time. Um, and I went through a lot of periods where I read books and you know I get Richard Branson's book and you know I better learn how to be a better CEO because I don't do it like that. And, you know, after a couple of years, I just threw them all out the window and thought, you know what? No one's going to, no one can teach me these things. It'll be learn as we go. And there were lots of mistakes made. In fact, I'm sure I could be paid to make make mistakes. (laughs) I've made some absolute beauties. Tell us your biggest one. Oh, there's been too many to mention. There's plenty. Um, But the key to, I always, I believe the key to mistakes is not what you make, not... The mistake you make, but how you recover from it, and what you do off the back of the mistake, and not the old, you know, um, thing that you hear all the time: "You've got to learn from your mistakes." It's, it's not so much that as how you fix it. The measure Mm. measure of a person isn't the mistakes they make; it's how they fix a mistake. And we're really good at fixing mistakes, you know. And people would walk in. People have the right. My 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 management team and my whole staff, they're allowed to make mistakes, and they're happy to walk into my office and say okay, I fucked up, and I'd say, well, go away and unfuck it. Right? Tell me how you're going to unfuck it, and that's kind of the motto of the company. That's the, the company. plan. Yeah, unfuck it, and then if you do it again, <laughs> I will kill you. you know? So, you know, you've got grace to, to fuck things up once. Mm. Um, and so you've then you've stayed humble we'll by that.
0: keeping um, the red tape out of it, keeping a really flat structure
1: or Yeah, structure, and everyone so. can talk to me. Yeah. You know, like I walk around the building all the time and, and talk to just about everybody in the office, and admittedly I've walked in often and said, now who are you again? Mm-hmm. Okay, welcome. And um, I work closely with lots of staff, as do all of my executive management team. I've got an executive management of five, um, and that's grown over the years, and they've all been with me a long time. Um, but I'm just as comfortable, and their staff are just as comfortable talking to me and bringing me something as they are to them. So there's none of this protocol and you know, correct etiquette. Everybody's really comfortable. I don't know, comfortable is a word, but they. Um, they know it's okay. They know they can walk into my office and knock on my door. You've got an open door <clears> policy. <coughs> Absolutely. So and I had one before they were trending. <laughs> yeah, before it was a buzzword. No, I don't think I had a door. So. so how involved
0: um, with you on a day-to-day basis are you still with running the network group? Uh,
1: intricately involved. Yeah, because so I'm a lot there. of. A, I'm a lot of a control freak, mm-hmm. and. I still work through all levels of the business as much as, you know, my IT manager of course runs IT and, and you know my marketing manager runs the marketing. But I'm still as hands-on in lots of those areas and I still come up with lots of the ideas that we use to move forward and you know I'm this obsessive control freak person that wakes up at three o'clock in the morning and has to have a notebook beside the bed because ah here's a great idea for what we'll do next. And some of our best business moves uh, and best business growth strategies have come from those silly ideas you have at three o'clock in the morning and i'll be ringing the guys at seven going i just had this idea what about that and i go that's fantastic within a day it's, it's kind different. of happening mm. you know so
0: tell it take us through your typical day <clears throat> what would it God, include
1: I have no such thing as a typical day every day is so different um yeah, I don't have a typical day. I walk in the office and I have plans of what I'd like to achieve that day. And normally, at the end of the day, I can sit down and go, "Right, I'll just move all of those till tomorrow," because lots of what goes on during the course of the day is managing issues that are, you know, that present themselves or managing opportunities that present themselves, taking advantage of that. Um, I think people underestimate how much time you spend with staff when you run a business and how. Um, staff can be and I say this term really lovingly time vampires Um, because you do need to you know your people are your business so you spend a lot of time managing people and I spend a lot of time managing and mentoring people um, so that they can go and do the job I require them to do so
0: So on people, how do you find people um, to bring into your organisation that truly care about it the
1: way that you do? Um, I have a very unusual interview process, I suppose. spend a lot of time not so much looking at people's qualifications but speaking to them and getting a feel for them, uh, for their personalities and for what they like and what they're looking for themselves, Um, making sure that we can take them on. And it sounds really wanky to say that, you know, taking them on the journey with us. We want people, I want people that are enrolled in the business, um, and take on ownership and responsibility. And we're happy to give it to them once they've proven themselves. So I've bypassed many people that have had great qualifications for position to get the right culture fit, because I've gone out of my way to build a business that is, um, I think, has a great culture. Um, most of the guys in the office are friends. You know, I can walk around and joke with all of the staff, and that's not. And I don't mean that from a Google esque kind of way we don't have billiard tables and sit on foosballs and I know you know they did go through a stage where they wanted foosballs and I told them like drop dead um you know the foosball no the um fitballs you oh, know fit a stage yeah, yeah, where everybody yeah. wanted yeah. to sit on fitballs oh, behind right, their desks yes, and all of that and I was
0: like I, mm-hmm. it. I never
1: let them board any of them, but
0: I'd fall off
1: it. I'm sure lots of people would but you know <laughs> um, our culture's different. really important to us
0: well how would you describe your culture in say three words
1: I can't describe anything in the world in three words, right? So it's, it's a silly question, Chiquette.
0: Oh, there's sounds like <laughs> things, Karen. <laughs> not on my podcast channel.
1: <laughs> three words. <laughs> um, motivated. Um, frantic. In fact, frenetic would be a better one. Frenetic. And uh, just get on with it. You know, that's not three words. But, you know, we've got it very much. Um, there's no... So, there's no such thing as we can't do that you know it's well. how do we do that mm, um, it's a different
0: question entirely
1: yeah that's right so you know I make sure that we do things like once a year we have the network birthday and that's where we celebrate everybody's birthday at once rather, oh, that's than, a good idea. Yeah, rather than having a cake once a week or you know a glass of champagne it's, no, scrap that it's the network birthday it's in June party in June and I take them all out feed them get them pissed <laughs> and we give each other really stupid presents and the rules of the presents are um, and it's a Kris kringle type of event. Everybody gets to get a birthday present, but there, there are certain rules. You know, they can't be alcohol, can't be food, and they've got to be funny. So everybody's under pressure. So the marketing team are really busy in the week, leading up to both the Christmas party and the birthday parties. So I've always done things a little bit differently than the norm. You know, mm. people walk around my office and, like, we'll be having student. like last week, I had the most ridiculous discussion with uh, the guys outside my office, five of them sitting outside my office. Had the most ridiculous discussion about Game of Thrones, <gasps> you know. Okay, and <sighs> yeah, and let's I'm... not. Don't start me. About... I was
0: just going to say, are you or
1: John, oh, <laughs> <about> John Snow. don't me that John
0: Snow.
1: So we're having this whole ridiculous conversation, and of course, I've, I've had a bit of time off this year with a bit of ill health. And uh, I was walking through the office the other day, and the guys were having some stupid conversation about a situation, and they were using the word situation in every context that they could. And you know, every thirty seconds there was the word situation in a sentence. And I was all the through the office and I turned around and said, and, you know, I was really worried, guys, that my time off work this this year would lead me to not be able to hold the intelligent conversation. And I didn't have to worry about that coming back to work, did I? <laughs> so we have lots of fun in the office, but not all the time. You know, it's, um, it's does as, get, as it rises. It's got to get done yep. and shit gets done. Yeah. And you know we've often got people well, in the office do you feel that um,
0: the culture of the organization is maybe a reflection of your personality
1: oh well, they say the fish stinks from the head down so you know <laughs> Does it's, it stink? it's absolutely <laughs> got to be a reflection of my personality and I'm certainly Cause you're uh, a get-in-and-just-do-it
0: kind of person
1: yeah, no prisoners no I'm happy to go down and unload trucks if we need to and um or pack boxes or stuff envelopes or do whatever needs to be done to get the stuff done. And everyone in the business is the same. There are no princesses in our place. You know, it's you get on and do what you got to do and get Well, I think that's done. a great way to be. Yeah.
0: Um, so how has being an entrepreneur affected your family
1: life? Um, there's all... I, I'm never, never ceases to amaze me when I listen to businesswomen and entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs, talk about balance. Um, and I've never... Been able to find balance. Uh, Have you ever won that though? I think it's a crazy goal. I think there's been a lot of pressure put on business women to try and find a balance that doesn't necessarily exist. I don't have balance in my work life. I don't have business balance on a surfboard. I don't have balance on a skateboard (laughs) or anywhere at all. And um, what I think we have, you have to find and be comfortable with is compromise. Um, So I've found over the years that, well, here's a great opportunity for business. So you know you have to go and concentrate on that and then and and there are compromises that have to be made at home for that then I'll oh, hang on the kids are starting to call me auntie mummy so I better stay home a bit more so then I focus you have to turn around and focus a bit more on that um, so works compromised a little bit so I think it's not a it's not a balancing act it's more compromise and finding some sort of mid-ground that you're comfortable with and I don't you know I, if there are women out there that have balance and don't have guilt I'm infinitely jealous and I'm an abject failure because I think being a mother and being a businesswoman leads to lots of guilt and feeling like and
0: sacrifices and
1: sacrifices mm-hmm. in guilt you know I, I think, so there have been
0: any sacrifices that you feel you've had to make that haven't actually been worth it
1: no no I'm not a person who looks backwards it's, you know everything was done for the right reasons at the time that it was done and if I screwed up. I screwed up, and like the company motto, I've unfucked it as much as I can. And you know, if there's residual damage from that, then if my children feel they need to go and open and say <laughs> that I ruined their lives, so be it. Um, but I don't think that'll be the case. I think they're okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so, have your motivations changed since you started? And if they have, um, how? And if they haven't, why not?
1: No, they really. I don't think they have because I've. I always just wanted to and always made sure that I wanted to go to work every day, I enjoyed what I did every day, I liked the people that I work with 90% of the time. Um, You can't get along with everybody. And I drove the business as hard as I could in the best direction that I could, and at the same time taking advantage of any opportunities that presented themselves. And none of that was really written down in any sort of business plan. I think it was just a reflection of the way I am. Here's a great idea, let's do that. um, no, that's not going to work. Scrap that. Um, you know, we'll live with the consequences of those stupid decisions and just move on. So my motivations haven't changed. I never I never wanted to be rich. I never wanted to be famous. I wasn't particularly, I'm not ambitious at all. You went
0: here on the Dancing with the Stars. Well, I that's do want to be on Dancing with
1: the Stars. Very seriously, I will be ambitious when it gets to Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was always just I want this business to be as good as it is it can be um, realising the opportunities that existed. And as the industry has changed, the rental industry and the home entertainment industry has changed, so has the business. So um, we've always been on top of um, this, this is a mutating business, or a, 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 let's call it evolving business rather than mutating, it's quite another right word, um, morphing mm-hmm. you know, and, um, with the digital age and all of the changes so we've changed the business model as well you know we went online we sell online we're now um, acting as business consultants for a wide variety of business from hairdressers to you know artist agencies and things like that. Is it is still so, under
0: the network group uh-huh.
1: yeah it is it's, um, it's called business innovations by mm-hmm. network so we've started offering or um, we looked at all of the opportunities that existed in what we've built and what we're really good at and taken that turned that into yet another business so um, you know the business continues to grow and morph into whatever the next challenge and opportunity. So Did you see is. the
0: rise mm-hmm. of oh, the arrival of um, Netflix and obviously all the illegal online mm-hmm. downloading and streaming affecting your business and the growth that you're experiencing and your industry?
1: Not really I mean thank god Netflix finally launched so that people could see what it was really like instead of believing what they read and thinking it was fantastic because it is what it is. Um, there's certainly streaming businesses out there and we could op- open a streaming business tomorrow. I've been doing business with the studios now for 25 years. They'd be happy for us to start streaming. It's just not a business there yet. You know, most people are very happy to continue with the habits they've got. We've Would you call those
0: habits the download, the e- uh, illegally downloading and streaming online? Those no, habits? no,
1: the habits of going to rental stores. Oh, yes.
0: Um, there's certainly been Do people still st- do it, though, as much? Yes, they do, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, we've got lots of... Um, still got lots of stores that are doing really good business. Um, there's certainly been a lot of industry closures, but they've predominantly been um, those of the franchise business models, where you know they were tied into a contract that if they defaulted, they gave away their firstborn, and they had massive monthly fees to major franchisors. Um, so we've always been in the rental business, not in the franchise business. Certainly, a lot of the franchise stores are in trouble, and they've been the majority of the closures because of the fixed costs associated with the franchise. And we've certainly had some store closures, but that's also had to do with the crazy property market and increase in fixed costs to run any business. I mean, you've seen all sorts of businesses close down and the closure of video stores is at no higher rate than any business, small business sector closing. You, know, you see hairdressers closing, but butchers closing, also you know, retail, rate trade closing because of the cost of labour in Australia and the cost of rents in Australia. It's the property boom that we're seeing, particularly in Melbourne and Sydney.
0: Mm. So you won't be looking to change your business model in the near future to to counteract the the rise of this online streaming and the, the Look, Netflix. When, and
1: when we see that the Telstra streaming Pond business, and, uh, when we see the streaming business is a viable business, we'll be involved in it. Right now, there's six or seven players in it in a very small business, still less than ten percent of the Australian population that legitimately stream movies. So um, that's not a feasible.
0: Business. So, who are the demographics still physically going to the the rent the video store and
1: renting? All demographics, um, if I had to say, we've, we've still got all age groups coming in. But if I had to say there was one uh, that we'd lost more than other than any others, it would be the kind of fifteen to twenty fours that are um, doing doing ones. more on their. It's not just the tech savvy ones; they're doing more on their mobile devices. You know, they're not necessarily watching movies or downloading mm. pirated movies. They're on YouTube. They're watching silly cat videos. Oh, they get that. Um, but you know, they're they're really hyper involved in in social media and and all of those those things. So um, it's probably more of that age group that um, we're not seeing as much of. But parents don't probably see
0: much of them either.
1: No, I'm sure their parents don't. They're kind of hidden in their room. Yeah. Hold up in their room (laughs) on their social media and you know there was this article the other day where where doctors are worried about the amount of radiation that that kids are getting now because they sleep with their phones under their pillows. Yeah. For God's sake. Well
0: I use mine as my alarm clock. I do do too, but it doesn't need to be
1: under your pillow. It's definitely
0: not under my pillow. (laughs) (laughs) So if you had to choose one thing, what do you think you're the best in the world at?
1: Unlike LeBron James, who is definitely the best basketball player in the world, I don't think I'm the best at anything. Uh I think
0: just one thing that you feel you're really good at.
1: Look, I don't think I'm egotistical enough to think I'm the best at anything. I think there's quite a few things that I'm really, really good at. Um, I think outside, Give me one of them. I think outside the square really well. I'll come up with an unusual fix for a problem more often than not, um, and it'll be on the money. Uh, I'm, I've am i got a very systematic mind, so I can see through logistical problems really well. Um, I'm intricately involved in our IT, we've got an eight-man IT department, all of our business processes are proprietary, so they've written ourselves, so I'm really good at um, logistics and streamlining processes, and I'm good at cutting through the crap, you know, I'm really good at saying, well hold on, that's not actually the problem, this is the problem, why are we trying to solve this when that's a symptom, not a problem. Let's go back and look at the core problem and fix that. So, I'm good at that sort of stuff. But, best in the world at anything? Nah. Nah. And I, I don't think I ever will be the best at anything in the world, sadly. Oh, Karen oh no. Dancing with Get the, stars. the tissues out. May be the I'm going to win that. Ever. Okay. I am going to win that. I doubt I'll be the best ever.
0: Um, and finally, if you had to leave your organisation for a year and the only, for, yes, a year, mm. um, and the only communication you could have with your employees was a single sentence, what would you write?
1: Get shit done.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Karen. It's been amazing to have you here and I've learned so much and just been fascinating. So, thank you for your time. Oh, we really, really appreciate it. Thanks for
1: having me. I'll, I, As you know, I can talk underwater with a mouthful of marbles, so I really enjoyed today. Thanks.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Karen.